Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another fine edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me is the sniffy little blonde bombshell herself, Ann Kerrigan. And good evening, everybody. Yes. I'm a little sniffy Under the tonight, Phil. Excuse weather. me, yeah. I took my echinacea. Okay, Russ keeps saying, take echinacea, so I bought some on the way home. Tastes like crap, but I took it. Well, so. you know, should, should try, uh, you know, Captain and Coke. I think that works. Uh, I don't think that'll help me this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. So I'll have anyway. to do, uh, blue, I have blueberry tea, so we'll try that. Oh, no wine? No, no wine tonight. Yuck. You must, you know, you really know I'm sick when there's no wine. <laughs> yeah, you're going dry. I don't know if I like that. I don't know how you'll be. This is... Hmm. Oh, well. Yeah. Anyway, so I hope you get better. And, uh, Thank anyway. you. So what, what did you dream last night? Ah, uh, it was, yeah, it was actually a couple of nights ago. Well, I had to tell really? our guest what I dreamt. You have to tell your guest Why? Oh, She's going to do a psychoanalysis on you. Is that is that the thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, hell yeah. Oh, really? This this will be interesting then. <laughs> and my daughter had a really crazy dream too, so I have to I have to ask her about that. Really? Huh. But anyway, so uh, tickets are now on sale for Spirit Quest, which is really awesome. You can get the early bird special, which is uh, the whole weekend pass, and you save like eighty dollars or something. If uh, mm-hmm. you had bought the search, all the tickets separately. And this year, Spirit Quest is uh, Book of Shadows, which is all about witchcraft and ghosts. Nice. Yeah. And so uh, joining us will be uh, Salem Witch uh, Kelly Spangler, who, of course, was on the Ghost Adventure show at the Witch House. And also. Uh, we will have Steve Parsons back in the UK, and we'll talk about some of the uh, UK witch cases, which will be awesome as well. And, of course, I will be doing a special on the Bell Witch Hunting, so that'll be awesome. So, anyways, I saw in a dream about getting this guest on who could tell me about dreams. So, I decided to follow my dream, and... Ask this young lady, and joining us now is uh, the uh, oh, she works at what's the name of the dream, the Mystic Dream Center. Just that in itself is dreamy enough. But anyway, Susan <laughs> Morgan. Hello, so good evening, Mom. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing very good. How are you tonight? 
Good, good. Now, did you dream about being on the show? Is that how it worked? <laughs> well, I might have dreamed about it, but I don't remember. Um, one, of the first, <laughs> one of the first things that I teach at all my dream circles is that we're all dreaming every night. Uh, we probably average at least eight dreams a night, and we're dreaming the future, all of us. Not every right. night. Not every night, but enough that it's worthwhile um, understanding and interpreting our own dreams just on um, oh. so, Okay, so let's... Let's ex first of all, you do this dream circle thing at Circles of Wisdom, and uh, when is the next one, for instance? The next one is the third Wednesday of the month. Basically, every third Wednesday, I'm there. I have a dream uh -huh. circle. I do readings from 4 to 6.30 before the class. I'm also a psychic medium, and then I have the dream circle. I'm there this well, Friday, though, for a different reason. Tell us a little bit about this dream circle. What is it exactly? Well, I've been teaching dream work for about 15 years, and I teach people how to interpret their own dreams. So the class is usually a two-hour class. It is at circles anyways. I have classes all over New England. Some of them are four-hour classes. But most of them are two hours. So the first hour, we go over how to share dreams. Uh, I go in a circle, and whoever feels inclined can share a dream, and they get feedback from the other people. And then the second half, of the class, I have a drum, a frame drum, and I lead them into a deep meditative state through shamanic dreaming, drumming, rather. Um, I'm part Native American, but uh, that's not why I have the drum. <laughs> I, I, and I've worked with people from second graders all the way up to 92-year-olds over all these oh, years. I'm, I'm pretty busy. I taught thousands <laughs> of people how to do it. Wow. That's really it's powerful. It's very powerful mm. work. I have some people that have worked with me 15 years. Really? Wow. Yeah, so the, I guess the argument could be if you don't know how to do it, well, why would somebody, if they know how to do it, be hanging around for 15 years with me, you know, <laughs> meeting once a month? Like I have a group in Connecticut, 15 years. And um, the quick version is because we get, uh, we can immerse ourselves in our dreams and connect with the dream world and that, is very healing and very powerful. And when we sit in a circle of like-minded souls also working with their dreams and going into the dream world, magic happens. Hmm. So good, good things happen. We get insight and synchronicity and information um, that's hard to come by any other way. Mm -hmm. how, did you, yeah. how did you start on this, uh, this journey of dream interpretation? I remembered my dreams pretty much my whole life. I've been a strong dreamer. And I read a book called Conscious Dreaming by Robert Moss many years ago, and I took a workshop. And I, I, I tell it this way. Robert Moss has written, I don't think, something close to like 10 books on dreaming. Uh, he was a well-published, well-known published author before he got into this field. Uh, he's Australian. Anyways, he had a workshop, and he has since then taught thousands of people how to do this himself. But I kind of took it a little, I took it more to heart than maybe a lot of the other people that he's trained. Uh -huh. So it was like drinking water for me. Uh, I was pretty good at it. And then I was so enthusiastic for my own experience 
with working with my own dreams. And I had a lot of trauma and crisis at that time period in my life. And it was critical for me to remember my dreams and interpret them, not not for some happy little um, hobby, but was more like into a survival skill that I needed. And I got very good at it. And I ended up just spontaneously, you know, sharing this information with people. And one thing led to another. I started having dream groups in Connecticut. I had friends um, I came in contact with that had won Emmys, actually, in L.A., and they were interested in doing a Comcast show with me. So I had a Comcast TV show for five years. I won a a Comcast award for, for Best TV Host, a number of years back. Yeah, and I just, and then I moved up to New Hampshire, and it just, I've expanded out. Now I also work in Florida, North Carolina. I've got Columbia, South Carolina as a group waiting for me to come down the spring, and it's just grown. Um, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic on it. It's, I wrote a book, The Power of Dreams, that's available on Amazon or through my website, teaching people how to do it, because it can change the world, you know, one person at a time. Oh, and what is your what is your website, Susan? So I can it's, I'll put it on yeah. our Facebook page. Oh, thanks. It's mysticdreamcenter.com, and my oldest son has been overhauling it for the last week. We should be done by this weekend. So some it, most of the links kind of pretty much are working, but um, we're not quite done. But it's still worth oh, going I, to. You get a sense of things. Oh, great, great. We'll get we'll get that up put there for you and. Uh, I'm sure many people would be interested in your book. Thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> now, my All question right. is, Is do you believe in dream symbolism? Well, I like to say this, Ron. I don't believe in anything. I'm a woman that's <laughs> all about the experiential. So unless I've experienced it, I just toss it off to the side. So... Um, I've had an experiential relationship with my dreams, and that's what I teach other people. I, I, I know that there are symbols and metaphor. That's how our soul speaks to us. Our soul speaks in images and emotion. Very, very few people have a literal dream that says, um, you know, although my youngest son is one of those in the minority. Like, he'll have a dream saying, okay, I'm going to get an upgrade on my Verizon phone. And then he goes to Best Buy and out spits the paperwork saying, yeah, you're due for an upgrade, even though he really wasn't technically supposed to be due, things like that. <laughs> but, most, <laughs> but most of us do dream in metaphor. And an argument could be, well, why doesn't our dream make it easy? Like, you know, show us a three-by-five card of what we need to know. Or why is our soul being elusive? And it's not that our souls are being elusive. It's that from... Many of us, especially in the Western culture, were so disconnected from the spiritual world and from our souls that it seems like a whole foreign language. So it's really soul work. Dream work is soul work. What does my soul want to say to me about things? What's the symbols that my soul has to say about uh, the paths and the roads I take in life? And then it may or may not be the same for you, you know, what, like the images that your soul. And that's good. That's what we want. We want variety. We actually have a couple of questions from the chat rooms uh, we'd like Good. to get into because oh, you're yeah. uh, listening. So, yeah. um, uh, John in our TokiNet chat uh, wants to know, is it possible to enter someone's dream just like, like an episode on Supernatural? 
Absolutely. That's a good question. Absolutely. And it's so easy. And we don't have to, I mean, I am a psychic medium, but you don't even have to be a a quote unquote psychic to be able to do this. Um, Mm -hmm. I've worked with groups of people, even the first time that they want, most groups don't want to be bothered with this because it's more of, um, they just want to work on their own stuff. But it's mm-hmm. nothing. All you do is, I, for most of my uh, dream circles, I have like 14 venues I work out of on a regular basis. We sit in a big circle on the floor, usually on yoga mats. So mm-hmm. in this situation, if somebody wanted to go into somebody else's dream, it's called, you know, dream reentry, they would just lay side by side and maybe have one point of contact. Maybe their ankles touch or maybe their hands, mm-hmm. even barely touching. They could even just mm-hmm. be close to each other. And with intention and through the drumbeat, me drumming them into it, one can go right into the other's dream. They may not see it exactly verbatim, but they'll get uh, an amazing amount of hits, so to speak, on the dream and a deeper understanding. It's very easy. And it also raises the, the question or the idea that when we are sleeping with a partner in bed, we have to wonder sometimes if the dreams are really ours or did we go into their dream. Because that also happens. There's a lot of stories. I have a lot of stories of over the years, you know, people from unusual things. And we dream similar dreams. I know one woman that when she has a violent dream, she's not normally prone to violent dreams because she's been tracking her dreams for a while. So she's having a violent dream. She realizes it's from her boyfriend. And she'll just say, oh, he's having a violent period or episode right now in his dreams. And she'll go on the couch just so she can disengage from his dreams and go back to her happy dreams. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Mm. It is. Yeah, you know, right. the, the boundaries between us become really apparent when we do uh, dream work to any degree. Then we realize, oh, my goodness, we're netted. We're all netted together. <laughs> oh, we really are. <laughs> we, um, and it's and it's funny because I, I think that, the most vivid dreams that I have are like, you know, when you're in that REM, REM yeah. stage, I think. And um, like either when I first fall asleep or right before I wake up in the morning. Actually, those um, aren't the REM states. The REM states are, quote, unquote, the deeper states. The one that oh, the, the states you're talking Yeah, the states you're thinking about, those are the sweet spots. It's the hypnagogic. Um, it's oh. as, right when we're just about going into the dream, like we're not completely right. awake, but we're not solidly asleep, either going mm-hmm. into the dream or coming out of it. That is the, that's the coveted state of consciousness, by the way. That's when things can get very good. That's where oh. if you practice, oh yeah. And so if you know this and if you practice dream work, once you're in that state, either going to sleep or waking up, um, you can hopefully, maybe not every day, but you know, as often as you, you can just keep trying you could actually work with your dream. So if you're going into the dream, you can become conscious in that state and say, hmm, let me get some more information about this dream, or let me see if I can change the outcome. You know, if you can change the outcome in that state, that then it becomes lucid. If you can change the outcome or work with the dream in any way, um, it just shows flexibility of, if it's a dream of the future, that there's a lot of flexibility. And it also shows... Um, it increases your creativity and even your consciousness level. Hmm. Yeah. That's very That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And we also have another question from you from the chat from uh, Ghost Girl as well. Okay. Oh, yes. Go- Ghost Girl asked, uh, what about nightmares? 
She didn't yeah. say specifically what about nightmares, but yeah. Well, what about I work with, mean, yeah, that, yeah, that's a common question. About... And nightmares are good because, or they can be good because if it's let's say there's an important message, let's say that because our body also sends us dreams of you know health concerns, and um, and I know more more than one story of let's say somebody's having a heart problem. And the body is trying to get that message to the person saying, we've got a problem here. And the person's ignoring <laughs> all signs in their waking state. They're going to have nightmares. Well, they're going to start by having halfway mellow dreams. And if they continue to ignore the dream and not understand the dream, it turns into a nightmare. Meaning, okay, well, if you didn't get it the first three times that it come through, now we're going to get a little louder. It's going to be a little harder to forget. Uh-huh. Just to get our attention as much as anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll have fears. Of, if we have a nightmare of something chasing us, sometimes that can be the symbol for, yes, there are things in life, whether it's pers- people, actual people or situations that seem like we're being hunted down, right, or just mm-hmm. we can't get away from. Mm-hmm. Or it can also be often our own power. A lot of us run away from our own power. That's, that seems to cease after doing dream work for a while. Mm-hmm. You, you, those dreams don't come around anymore because you're standing in your power more when you understand what's going on uh, at a soul level. Not that you can control the world or control your life, but you can navigate it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I, I just, I, let me just say one thing. Say you want to say that you have a dream and you have like a whole bunch of nightmares. Something's chasing you. And you determine through your own, you know, um, introspection that what it is is a situation or a person and it, it doesn't mean that it's final obviously it means now you understand the situation so take action change something in your waking life and you won't have those dreams anymore and um and peace can reign we have a good friend uh dorothy morgan who's an astrologer and i love dorothy I'm just, by the way i'm just curious uh <laughs> Can the planets and, like, full moons affect dreaming as well? Um, I would think so. I mean, there's a lot of... I think I think dreams and the dream world um, are much more complex than most of us are aware of. So I know, like, for me, when there's a full moon, I don't sleep as well. I've been like this my whole life. So I give up on even trying. Like, I normally sleep like a log, but on full moon nights or the night leading up to a full moon... I usually wake up at 2 or 3, and I can't go back to sleep for a few hours. This has been my whole life. My, my children are the same way because the water in my body is, is even acting different, right, because of the moon. That said, indigenous people have a saying, an understanding that the real world is the dream world. And what that means is everything's happening in the dream world, Ron. Everything is happening. You know, the departed, the past, the future other dimensions, other aspects of what we are and who we are. All these things are happening up there, and we just get a tiny little filter here. So the real action is the dream world. And the more conscious we become aware of our sleeping state, the more we realize our waking state is just basically a steady stream of what happened that night before and what's happening later tonight. It's just a... it's just like a long, rippling wave of consciousness. It's a stream of consciousness. So in that sense, if I'm a little more agitated, let's say, during a full moon, then, yeah, my dreams would maybe also reflect it that night because of my, I'm streaming, my consciousness stream. Mm. Huh. 
That's very interesting. Yeah. And it's funny because we had the full full moon last night. Exactly. I I was thinking about that last night when I woke up. And I I woke up and I said, oh, my goodness, why am I awake? Oh, yeah, it's a full moon. It doesn't even matter if the moon, if I can see the moon or not, if it's cloud cover. It has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with my body recognizing it. I was awake last night, too, but I think my big black dog had something to do with that. But uh, (laughs) I could not, yeah, I couldn't couldn't go back to sleep to save my life. And uh, finally, ultimately, you know, I don't know, 4 o'clock this morning I did. But anyways. Right. Right. um, So I I have a question for you because... I didn't. I didn't know you were going to be on the show tonight till you know Ron let me know, you know mid afternoon. And I happened to be talking with my daughter who's away at college, and she was telling me about a dream, very vivid dream that she had last yes. night. And can I run this by you? Yes, please do. What what she told me? Yep. She said that she had a dream that someone threw her uh, on a basement floor, and then she had to drag her body to the basement stairs, and she stood up, and she said then there were, like, little children jumping all over her, and then they turned into dogs and started biting her. That was her that, dream, that, and she that, said it, it biting was Biting her terrifying. in a playful way or in a harmful way? In a what? In, in a playful way or in a harmful way were the dogs biting? Um, well, she said it was terrifying, so I'm okay, assuming in a right, harmful then, way. Yep. Okay, so with any dream, what you would do is, and you're not going to do it next, it's not your dream, it's hers, is you'd give it a title, you mm-hmm. would write it down in the present tense, and the emotion matters more than anything. So the same dream, if she says, oh, well, we were being, you know, playful at the end, obviously it has a different meaning. And the only authority, I teach people this, the only authority on the dream is the dreamer. But that mm-hmm. said, I can give you feedback if it was my dream, what it might mean, and sometimes there's a similarity. So if I have a dream, uh, if this was my dream literally and I had it last night, I'd say the basement would represent the foundation of my being. Something has thrown me down to my very basic essential self, my basic survival skills is what it feels like mm-hmm. even, like like my root chakra, my, my basic survival skills. And even though I've been thrown down and put in this compromising situation, I'm still going to climb out of it. But even as I okay. climb out of it, I'm met by aggression, and things that were supposed to be nice turning mean. Children, small children would represent to me if they weren't, if I wasn't really, if I didn't have a lot of small children around me in my physical life, I would put that as projects and different um, creative ventures. I would put that would be the symbolism for me. So if I don't like this, and I don't like the dream. The dream is showing, one, I'm getting kicked to the curb, so to speak, being, being thrown down, and even when I pull out of it, I still have all these challenges. So I would recognize, mm-hmm. I would take a few minutes, if I were her, you could recommend this to her, to, to see if she can put a name to what challenges might be happening or might be coming around the corner. And then she can mm-hmm. do something now to alleviate it, to change the track, to soften the blow, or maybe eliminate it altogether. Okay. All right. And that's, and that's how you do it. I mean, okay. it's... It seems pretty simple, but then when we take action and do something about it, something tangible in our waking life, unusual things happen, and we make progress. And then we can say, hey, I think maybe I have a little bit of a handle on this thing called life. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. 
That's right. interesting. Oh. And, and, you know, like people like Edward Casey, who used to uh, do predictions and so forth in, in his dream state, was he really looking into the future or what, what was going on with someone like Casey who used to uh, predict in his, in his sleep? Well, I'm not an expert on Edgar Cayce, but my understanding is maybe he said he, they called him the sleeping prophets. They didn't understand and recognize what he was really doing, and that is being in an altered state. Like when I do the second half of my class, everyone lays down, they close their eyes, and it's somewhat akin to being hypnotized, kind of, sort of, in the sense where, I mean, if, if a fire alarm went off, they, oh, yeah, they would be able to get up and go. But other than that, they just want to relax and they go deep into an altered state of consciousness. And they actually go into their dream and they get information that way that they didn't get while they were sleeping. And I believe that's what Casey did. He got in an altered state. There's a story even about Harriet Tubman. People don't know this. That um, when, you know, she moved all those slaves. I forget what the numbers were. She never lost one of them over, I forget how many people she moved. Right when, when the slaves were set free or right before they were set free, she was, you know, trying to rescue them and keep them alive. Well, the history says she used to lay down a lot of times. She always moved them at night, always on different paths. She would lay down for about 10 minutes, and then she'd say, okay, I feel better. And then she'd tell them where to go. <laughs> well, the history books say, well, that's because she probably had some type of brain problem that required her to lay down and take these quick power naps. That's not what she was doing. She was laying down, getting in an altered state, and seeing psychically where to bring them. And, and, and how I know this is because I know how to do it a little bit myself. Once we know how to do this, we recognize when other people are doing it. That's what Edgar Casey was doing. I mean, if they wanted to call him asleep, he was probably thinking, yeah, good, call me asleep. Don't don't bug me. I'm in my deep altered state. <laughs> so, that's, that's my take, but I'm not a scholar. Or not, I don't even know all that much about Edgar Casey. All I know is I like him. Okay, we have to take a break right now, so anyways, uh, for, okay. all our, for all our listeners, I would like to say when I need you and all your charms, when I need you in my arms, all I have to do is dream. So remember that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ian Carrigan, the blonde bombshell in New England's own Van Helsink, and our special guest is Susan Morgan. We'll be right back after the following messages right here on Touchinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and Far Beyond in your dreams. <laughs> Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Toginet, 
Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ian and our special guest this evening, Susan Morgan of the Mystic Dream Center. Thank you for having me tonight. I really appreciate it. I'm having oh, fun. It's very interesting. I love I love this subject. It's awesome. Well, 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 let me, if it's okay, let me slip into how this is now going into a little bit of a veer, if you're willing. Okay. Um, sure. Somebody recently asked me. She said uh, somebody had told her, and it's a good it's a good question that you can only have one canoe in the water. And she said, and what that means is. Susan, you're involved in being a medium, yeah, and you do dream work, and you also are involved with interdimensional activity and what that means. I teach classes on that. She goes, how can that be? How can you be so interested in three separate things? And I replied to her, they're all connected. When we remember our dreams uh, for any length of time, uh, for a lot of us, we may find that we're actually having interdimensional contact. And then it's not such a strange thing. And uh, we're certainly able to connect with the departed very easily in our dreams. They can reach us very easily. You know, you don't have to be a medium to have a departed loved one come through in the dreams. Right. Because, you know, they can come to a medium, they can come through in the waking state. Uh, but if. We're not inclined to be that way if we're real busy or stressed and just going, going, going all day long. Well, the only way they can even get our attention is through the dreams. So all these things are woven together. So I have a class this Friday at Circles of Wisdom, part one of a two-part class, on one of my favorite topics, and that is I call it Starborn and Exploration and Interdimensionality. And um, it has to do with when we get into it, because I work with a lot of psychics or people very uh, with high uh, levels of intuition. We need, we, we need to know who we're talking with. You know, are we talking to the angels? Are we talking to the departed? Are we talking to maybe interdimensional beings? And um, it's a fascinating topic. And I've got a woman I came across by accident um, named Nancy Talbot. She's out of Cambridge, and she's calling in for about a half hour during the class as well, and she's a crop circle expert on a global scale and has been doing it for 20-some-odd years with a team wow. of research people across the globe. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's mind-boggling. She alone could have a, probably a 10-hour class. Easy. So um, I love her. 
but she'll be calling in. Basically, I've had her call in before on other classes, and she likes mm-hmm. to go on and on about the science background, which is good. But in the, the half hour that she'll have Friday night, I'm going to have to rein her in. But basically, <laughs> unless, it, unless they can have an anomaly, unless they can track it as a um, that there's an anomaly in the crop, which there is, unless, an, they don't, unless they can track it by saying there's been an extension of the um, fibers and all these different things happen to the actual plants, um, then they say it's not a real crop circle unless they can. They have all, a team of scientists go out and do all these tests. It's always the same result. You know, the magnetic fields of the crop circles have been altered. A lot of times the plants are sterile the year that they have the crop circle, but then the following year or two, the plants can grow at a rate seven times what their normal rate is. That's incredible. I mean, all kinds of strange anomalies happen. So um, she'll be calling in, which I find very exciting. Do they feel that... um, so these things are connected. The the dreaming um, is somehow so it's connected to the crop circles. Is that she what? doesn't go there? She's much more science based. She doesn't even oh, okay. want to say with all definitive. Well, these are because of UFOs, even though the UFOs are seen right before. But she's so scientifically based. She doesn't necessarily um, announce that with any strong authority. She's more into the science of the whole thing. I know from my, and she doesn't do dream work, but I know from my years of doing dream work that that is the case. That, um, I mean, from my own life, when I was about 14, 15, I had a series of dreams um, that had to do with contact. And I avoided even considering what it could have meant until I was about in my 40s, and I'm at a book signing event in Mystic, Connecticut, and a woman is telling me this experience of when she goes into crop circles, she has these things that look like a tattooed on her palms that look like Egyptian hieroglyphics. I said, what? Mm. She goes, oh, yeah, this is a known phenomenon. It's a lot of people. Then you walk out of the crop circle, and about 10 minutes later, it just kind of fades. And I was just dumbfounded because in my dream, my series of dreams that I had, like, for nights, and I believe it was awful. I did not like the dreams, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But in my dreams, I was shown that the palms of my hand had these images that looked like Egyptian hieroglyphics on them. Wow. Uh, that's when I said, ooh, that wasn't just a dream. That's before I started mm-hmm. doing all this dream work, too. But so, uh, <laughs> that wasn't just a dream. Something else was going on. And since then, I've done, a, I've done mild research on the whole thing, and there's a lot of people that have had similar dreams uh, mm-hmm. and a similar experience of Egyptian-looking hieroglyphics. Um, all over the palms of their hands. Mm. Very That's interesting. Amazing. It is. Um, we um, have another question from uh, the chat room, from our Toginet chat, from John. Okay. He wants to know, uh, do you believe, um, he said, the movie Inception, which I have not seen, and he said, a dream within a dream. I did not see the movie Inception. But the concept of a dream within a dream, um, just spontaneously, yes, I do believe in that because that's kind of how we're all living. I, like right now as I'm talking to you, I have, you know, I'm sitting in my living room. I see my wood stove and my kitty cat and things like that. That's one layer of a dream. But on another layer, 
deeper inside of me, I have something else psychically also calling my attention, something to do with the star shooting. And there's layers of my awareness that maybe I'm not even tapping into right now. I've been, um, I can go into three layers of awareness with not a whole lot of effort after all these years of meditating. And so, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that could go into even deeper layers where I'm aware of three simultaneous layers of my consciousness, so to speak. So I think, you know, quantum physics is catching up with what the shamans have known since the beginning of time, and that is that we really are multiple layered beings with multiple layers of consciousness. So when we're only using like what they think, you know, four or five percent of our brain, I don't even know where they come up with these percentages, but I think for me, the other percentages are the other layers of my being or a human being of what we're operating, other dimensions. Mm-hmm. We're not constrained just to the earth right. at any at any point. Yeah. Now, you also said you were a psychic and a medium. Uh, I know many people that actually contacted dead through their dreams. Uh, is, is that a, a level in all of us, or is it, is it just a special gift for those particular people? Well, like I had just said, no, I think it's more the dead are contacting us, not the other way. Like my work as a medium is I get into a, a prayerful, altered state, and then I'm reaching to them for contact. In our dreams, it's the opposite. They're reaching usually to us because, you know, we've been too busy or too stressed out or, or too closed off from our spiritual side and the spiritual dimension. So the only way they can get a word in edgewise is to come and see us in our dreams. That's when some of our uh, edges are, you know, softened and more open. Plus when we, this is the other thing, you know, when we go to sleep at night, we don't stay in our body. We have our dream body and we leave our, we, we leave our physical body and we go all over. We can go um, next door. We can go down the street. We can go back in time. We can go forward in time. We can go into other dimensions of our being. And we all do this every night, multiple times. Like maybe part of the night I'm around the neighborhood. Another part of the night I'm, you know, on another planet. What is the difference between that and astral projection? Not a whole heck of a lot at all. Mm. I don't believe that. Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, sometimes when you're in that, kind of like in between state where you're like kind of conscious and you're kind of not. Yep. And all of a sudden it's like bam <laughs> like you're falling back in almost your body, exactly. That that's it's when you like, catch yourself doing it. That that's yeah, when you, you feel like you're gonna yourself. fall you feel like you're gonna fall out of the bed, you know? Yeah. And you go up. And, exactly. and that's like it it's literally like you're slamming back in there. I know. It's, it's a harsh landing. Sometimes, some nights are a harsher landing than other nights. But, yeah, that, that's what we're all doing every night. Some of us can see. It doesn't happen to me often, but I have seen other people in their dream bodies walking around. And I know other people that can do that, you know, see us flying around. I guess if we were, like, really wildly psychic and conscious all the time, we could see, you know, all the stuff going around, including us walking around in our dream bodies. It's busy at night. Mm, I believe it. <laughs> and there's people on the earth now that can see these things and understand these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably don't talk about it too much. But, you know, you, if you meditate for a whole long time or some of these advanced 
you know, Tibetan monks and things like that, you know, they have a greater awareness of what they're doing at night and uh, where they go, where we all go as human beings. We are so much more complicated and magnificent than a lot of us are inclined to realize. Now, what about those nights we you feel like, we, you know, many, night, many t- times I wake up in the morning and I go, I don't remember anything. I don't remember any dreams. Yeah. And... It's, I mean, it's not that nothing is happening, but is there some reason that we don't remember? Yes. Well, we don't remember if we're not in the habit of remembering or if we don't see the value. Like in my situation, I, I realize for me they're the golden ticket to my life. That I know if I'm on track with my life, if I've had a pretty good night to sleep, if the dreams are pretty good. If they're disturbing dreams and it's telling me, uh-oh, I better, you know, uh, rethink some of my choices right now in my waking life. So they are my golden ticket. So, yeah, I'm remembering mine and people that do their dream work, they realize how important they are. So once we get in the habit of writing them down and working with them, we'll remember pretty much every night at least one dream. That said, let's say that you've been working with your dreams for a while, and all of a sudden there's a dream drought, meaning you can't remember your dreams. It could last even for a few weeks. I've noticed that, generally speaking, this happens if we're under an enormous amount of stress in our waking life. Uh, we get, not that we're not dreaming at night, but we get kind of blocked from the memory of it. And I think maybe it's just uh, our way of being protective of ourselves, like enough is enough. There's enough stress going on in the day. We don't need to be also rehashing it at night and remembering it anyways. Uh, we, we get a reprieve. Also through trauma, if there's, if there's significant trauma, a lot of times we'll stop remembering our dreams. So when people come to me for dream work, I do private dream work too, you know, and they're not remembering their dreams, I try to determine was it a traumatic thing, a situation in their life that disconnected them from their dreams, in which case that's, that's code red. You know, we've got we to gotta get that connection back. Or is it just that they're under a short-term uh, incredible amount of stress? Uh, and, and, the, and the kind of stress I'm talking about is that where if the day is super, super busy with a lot of choices, that mm-hmm. sometimes blocks the memory of the dreams. Ah, okay. So I, I have to ask you, how does sleep paralysis or old hag syndrome fit in to your dream interpretation? You know, 15% of the populations will have this effect once in their life, and that is when you wake, wake up, you believe you're awake, and you can't breathe, there's a heavy weight on your chest, and you sense uh, evil presence, and you, you can't speak, you can't move. Uh, it's a psychic attack. For me, that's a, that would be a psychic attack. I work with people if this has happened. Really? And I can see who, and then I, you know, I get in my meditative state, I can see who it was, and then I ask for good beings from the spirit world to move them along, block them from ever doing that again. Yeah, huh. That's the other so, thing. As we know, you know, because especially if you have a, on the show, I'm sure you, this is old hat to you, and I'm singing to the choir, but there's a lot more <laughs> things in the unseen world than there is in the scene. So if we think we got a lot of people and things on this planet, well, you know, in the unseen world, everybody, it's overloaded with things. And some good, some bad, and sometimes bad things, especially if they find us interesting, want to screw around with us. Right. And my, my understanding of this, and this is it's worked for me so far all these years, is, um, you know, I've got the final authority in this realm. 
and I know how to ask for help in the unseen world, and I have no problem blocking them from any more harassment, and I send them on their way. Period wow. of conversation. And I tell other people this, too. I say, you don't have to even be a psychic medium to do that. You can just speak with authority and tell them to get the hell out and ask for help to have it blocked and stand in your power and don't put up with it. The worst thing we can do, it's a form of bullying from the spirit world. I've got zero tolerance for bullying, especially from the spirit world. And, wow. and if, yeah, and I've, and I've worked with people. I say, even if you don't, even if you can't see them, that's all right. You still tell them to knock it off and ask for some help. And it works. Just Do not like mess that. with Susan. <laughs> no, Do not mess with this stuff. woman. I, I don't like just boring stuff. And I can see, you know, I can see what's going on a little bit with my <laughs> skill. And, you know, I have, you can't see, it works. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a question, um, and I wonder if I can run another dream by you, if that's all right. Yeah. Oh, you're all into this dream stuff now, huh? Well, I, I am because... You know what? I'm I'm many times that I'm that person that says gets up and says, "Ah, oh, I can't remember what I dreamt last night." But I remember this this one dream, and it was a couple of years ago. Very, very. It was probably the most vivid dream I've ever had. Okay. And, um, I was on a street in front of um, it was a, a very large red house, and um, I was there with my mother, and I parked on the street. And um, I even knew I had I knew the address. I woke up in the morning and I wrote the address down, awesome. and, which is highly unusual for me. Right. I knew the address. My mother and I went in the house. My mother said, "You need to, you know, these were were relatives somehow, or I I I got the impression they were relatives, but she didn't come out and say that. She said, "You need to, you know, meet these people." And like I knew the house. Uh, when I, I could tell you what the room looked like that I was sitting in, and uh, it was an older couple were there, and um, they were talking to me, and my mother kind of disappeared, um, and I was talking with the older couple, and I was fighting to stay awake, fighting to stay awake. And uh, the old couple got up and went in the kitchen for a minute and came back in. And, and I remember the woman said to me, she said, you need to go. It's time for you to go now, um, you know. And she sent me on my way. And that was kind of the, you know, I'm sure there was more to it, but that was the gist of the dream that I remembered. It was incredibly vivid to me. And, I like uh, it. I even got up, I even Googled the address. I was going to ask you that. And where I was Googled it? The ad- uh, it was in Swampskit, which is actually where my uh, a great aunt of mine used to live. You know, it was a lot of, uh, you know, fond childhood memories there. But it was not her house. Right. Um, and I couldn't tell you where this house was, but I knew the house. And, um, and I, there was no address. When I Googled the address, it, it didn't come up with anything. But um, so that was my very vivid dream. Well, for the very vivid dreams, the ones that we never forget, even if we don't write them down, we can remember years later, they're called big dreams uh, as opposed to everyday dreams. And those are the ones that are the more important ones. So we can skip over some of the everyday dreams. You know, we're not helping ourselves by skipping over them, but we can. But the bigger dreams, those really need to be understood. And that's when I lead people into a meditative state. I lead them into usually the bigger dreams. So that you could have your own understanding. But even hearing this, I'll just give you what my, my first thoughts are. That, you know, if, that, if I had had that dream, I would say I went to a legitimate place. 
I feel like uh-huh. I stepped back in time. So who were these people? There was a familiarity, especially with the woman. And when, right. when she said, you can't be here anymore, that feels like, you know, somebody in the, like the, the departed saying, okay, enough of this realm, go back to your own realm. And so who were these people? Were they ancestors of mine? Maybe. Or was it another lifetime? And they're saying, right. I would have Googled the address like you did. If I had found the address, I would have even driven there. I would have Googled my oh, address. Oh, I would have. Out of, yep. out of fascination, I would have tried to determine the age of the house. If it felt like it was on this continent, I would start narrowing it down. Like, what was the architecture? We can tell by, you know, what things look like, even architectural periods. I mean, even as you're telling me, I'm seeing something in the early 1800s architecturally. I don't know if that's true. It was huge. Or not. And it was yeah. a huge house. And I remember... When I pulled up to it, I thought, oh, it's, it's beautiful. They had been working on it last time I saw it. So, <laughs> well, well, the, well, this is pointing to that, that this is a place you've been before. So was this, so maybe this isn't necessarily a relative, you know, coming from the other side. This is another lifetime. We have uh-huh. other lifetime dreams. But even then I would say to myself, um, you know, I've had thousands of lifetimes. Why am I remembering this life? Something's right. happening. I call it a nexus point. There must be a nexus point right now in in my current life that I'm interacting with the past life because there must be similar decisions or similar people or similar something. You know, and the, this is the other thing. You know, in quantum physics, they say everything's happening in the simultaneous now. It really is. I, I really believe that. So we can access our past, present, and future and possible past, impossible presence, impossible futures. I mean, just right. mind-boggling. So it's, it, it raises the level of responsibility. So if, if I'm, um, it's more important, let's say, for me to have integrity than just this lifetime. It's affecting all my lifetimes. Or for me to speak my truth. It's affecting all my lifetimes. But there's something critical about that nexus point, that that life and what was happening by that, she, she feels maternal, that woman saying, no, it's, it's time that you've got to go. Um, yeah. It feels like another life. Maybe I, maybe I was that woman. You know? Maybe. Wow. Yeah, this is just uh, very, very interesting. There's something well, reassuring is... about the dream. It feels like to me, even though I don't even know exactly what it means. I, if it was me, I'd go into a deep meditative state. Are you? Do you go? I don't know where you are. Um, but I mean, you can go on to, onto my website and see if anything is even remotely close to you. Maybe come to okay. a dream circle, and if not, well, then you know we could even do a Skype session or something like that. Cool, awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're you're very welcome. Ron, what, what were you going phenom- to oh. What about the phenomena uh, in dreams where you, when you read something, you can only read it once? For instance, if you see a sign and it says uh, East Street, and you look down or talk to someone, then you look up, you can't read the, the words again. They're either something different or they're distorted. And even on a piece of paper or anything, uh, if you read something once and you go to read it again in the dream, you can't read the words. Have you ever heard of that phenomenon? <laughs> no, but I like it. It never happened to me. But if, I suppose it's, it's if I had frozen. something like that, I would wonder why I couldn't grasp onto it. I think it has to do uh, with consciousness dream, more than anything. In dreams, uh, it came out of some of the, the research studies they did on dreaming that this is a phenomenon that, that is commonly happens. Well, I'll tell you. Some of this research, I think, is a bunch of crapola, Ron. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's, it, it's, it throws us off. Uh, more than it helps. 
there's a there's a group of people called the Kogi, K-O-G-I, in South America, that uh, are a dreaming group. In the morning, and even the indigenous people on this continent used to do this more, especially the Iroquois. But in the morning, they all sit in a circle and they share dreams, um, actually a couple of times through the day. For them, the dream world is called the Aluna. They go up, they move their consciousness, especially the medicine men and the medicine women, to the Aluna, which is the net, the invisible net that goes all around the globe that connects us all consciously. And they um, work on the Aluna net and they, they learn all kinds of things about what's going on in the other part of the globe. They have no technology. They've never been invaded. If you ask them, why have you not been invaded? They say, because we dream it. We see it coming in the drain. We get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> They've been migrating. They live to about 120. They never turn gray, and they never wear shoes because they don't want to be disconnected from the earth. And they contacted me about 15 years ago. And that's a whole story in and of itself. I'm not going into too much detail. And they took, there was a man uh, that's a friend of mine who used to spend six months out of the year living with them. He's a white man. He's a, a go-to guy for a lot of the indigenous tribes on this continent and other continents. And uh, they would send me some dreams. And I would ask my friend, why, why are they sending me these dreams? Like I would have a dream about them. I'd, I'd call him up. I'd say, I think they're sending me another dream. He'd say, yeah, I'm just wondering if you're catching them. Well, why? Well, they knew that I was, you know, married with three kids, that I had this TV show, that this, that, and the other about me. And mainly they said, well, she's got a pretty good heart, and we can contact her through the dream state. Wow. What, 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 what the hell is that? This doesn't fit the normal, everyday science thing like, hey, we're dreaming where a lot of people can't remember the names on signs. Who cares? There's a whole group of people on the planet right now. That are, and I'm not so sure that's why we're not blown up, by the way. But through their prayers and their intercession, they claim that they're keeping us from destroying everything. Us meaning the, they call the people on this continent little brother. That little brother is, so we're destroying a lot of things. And they're just trying to compensate. If you were to ask them any technological questions or what's happening politically up here, they know everything in detail. And when scientists come and, and people have interviewed them and say, well, how do you know this? They said, well, you know, we feel our way up there with our heart. We can see with our heart everything going That's on. Amazing. Well, I have to tell you this, Dorothy, but that was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap up the show. Uh, okay. We want to thank you so much for being on the show. And if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, they can go to my website, mysticdreamcenter.com, or they can call me or text me, 860 860- Five three six three zero five zero. I'm very easy to get a hold of. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you very much. You have a thank good you, night. Man. Thank you yes, so much, Susan. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, good night. Good night. Wow. Wow. Was that a dream? Yeah, she's got a lot of energy, huh? Oh my God, I'm tired just looking to her. <laughs> <door. laughs> I need to go to sleep now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool. It's cool. All the different theories and stuff was was really interesting, and uh, it really is. You got your, you I, got your I love. Uh, I would actually love to go to one of her classes. So I'll, I'm going to look well, into there that. You go. Yeah. There you go. You, you can come with me. Uh, good. As long as we can go out <laughs> drinking afterwards, I'm all for it. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, well, hey, maybe we can maybe we'll try that and do it as an experiment that we can come back on the air and report our. Uh, our, huh? uh, 
Hey, but you know what? If you do if you do that, it might touch your ankle and pop into your. Ew. Dick. Ew. <laughs> no. None of that. <laughs> So anyways, Dan, uh, I want to thank you so much for making uh, the Ventford for uh, the Downton Abbey uh, tribute that you put on our Facebook page, which is in uh, next oh, Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, and we've got to go. So anyways, yeah. thanks for listening, everyone. Good night and God bless. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.